Morning, everybody. Happy sunny Mondays and welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Deputy Political Editor, Ben Glaze. Good morning, Ben. Morning, Susie. Enjoy the sunshine while it lasts. Now, this is the People's Paper Review, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. Those of you listening later on podcast, you're just going to have to tweet whatever the hell you like about it instead, because you have that right. So what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on news of a peace deal between Gary Lineker and the BBC in this bizarre row that's been going on for about a week now about what people are allowed to tweet if they don't report on news for the BBC. Now, more on that later, but first we're going to talk about page two, where Ben's got a story in the paper, everyone. Well done, Ben. Uh, about the school strike in which teachers are due to go out again this Wednesday and Thursday, which I've completely forgotten about. Thank you for reminding me. Um, ben, can you take us through it? It says here it's the biggest strike yet. What's happening? Yeah, that's right. So this one will actually be a nationwide strike in England on Wednesday and Thursday, two days of walkouts by uh, members of the National Education Union, which, of course, is the biggest teaching union. It's got about 400,000 members. Now, previous strikes have taken part, taken place in certain regions, but this one will be countrywide for England. Um, it's the long-running pay dispute. Obviously, inflation has been running really high for the past 12 months or so. Currently at 10.1%, which is falling a little bit, but that still means that what you're buying today is 10% more expensive than what you bought this time last year. And of course, if your pay is not rising by 10%, then you're losing money. You're you're facing a real terms pay cut. Now, what I think is interesting in this piece, so Mary Barstead, who's uh, one of the two general secretaries of the NEU. She's written exclusively for us in the Mirror today. And she's focusing not just on pay because the teachers are quite, they understand that everyone in the economy is suffering, right? Everyone in the country, very few people are getting inflation matching or certainly inflation busting pay rises. So to sort of maintain the public support, they're focusing on not just the pay, but also the overall state of education. And in this piece, she refers to um, dilapidated school buildings and hungry, cold children. Um, so, you know, it's looking at the cost of living as well, talking about the, uh, the cost of energy, cost of food, not just about teachers' pay today, um, but whether or not that will be the focus when it comes to uh, the actual strikes on Wednesday and Thursday. I think that'll be quite interesting and see how much sympathy parents uh, parents have when they have to take a day off work to mind their kids. Exactly. Uh, some parents, of course, not all of them. Key workers get to the, usually most of their children are going to school. Um, and I haven't heard from my children's school yet about exactly what's happening this week. I think because the NEU isn't le- telling their members they don't have to tell the head teacher if they're striking or not, then some schools aren't able to plan, are they, Ben? But it says on there that that one of the problems they're they're worrying about is that the number of teachers being recruited into the system is very poor. There's only 41% people coming through teacher training this year of of what they actually need, and they want that all improved. But what's the government actually doing about all this? You know, the Education Secretary, Gillian Keegan, says in this piece that she's made an offer. Why aren't the unions in there talking to her about it? Well, there's a standoff at the moment. So the unions want the education secretary to sit down and have talks with them. The education secretary saying, I'll sit down and talk if you call off the strike. So basically stop holding a gun to my head. Um, it's, it's a typical sort of union public sector pay dispute against the Conservative government where neither side wants to give an inch. Both sides believe they're in the right. Um, and, you know, the people in the middle are the kids and the parents who, who have to deal with it, particularly on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. I 
again, what, what I think is interesting about this is, is the focus that the NEU are trying to put not just on pay. You know, lots of parents could take their kids to school and see like the mouldy state of windows or the fact that the roof needs new tiles or something like that, as well as having to clothe their kids, feed their kids, all with prices going up. So real emphasis by the NEU that it's not just about pay. But of course, if the government did offer them the pay rise that they're looking for, I suspect they'd go back to work very quickly. Yeah. Now, D, I think the name's D, Yates, says another two days coming up this Wednesday and Thursday. It's disgusting from both sides. And this is the kind of thing, Ben, I mean, it's not that this is just sudden. These are the, the sixth and seventh days of strikes, aren't they? There's been strikes before this. Um, and before they even got to strikes, they were saying to government, we need to do better on some of this stuff. And the government wasn't talking to them about it. So this has actually kind of been in the, you know, in the post for months getting to this point where, you know, so the point where it gets to where Dee's upset now, there's two days this week and it's disgusting from both sides. There's sort of been a failure to address these problems and discuss it for quite a while, isn't there? Who's been responsible for that? Well, it is an ongoing row. Um, you know, there have been talks, but when the union decided to go on strike, that sort of riled the government and the government became less amenable to sitting down to talks because they essentially, you know, no one's using the word, but it, Essentially, the government thinks the unions are blackmailing um, the government when it comes okay. to children. Um, the disruption that's taken place so far, as we said earlier, it's been on a regional level and this will be nationwide on Wednesday and Thursday. But one of the things that's, that's in this piece I wrote, whilst this is the last of the scheduled action, the mandate for the NEU to take industrial action, that runs until the middle of July. That is to say, they don't need to have another vote of members before calling more strike dates. And if, if it remains unresolved, come close to play on Thursday, which at this stage you have to say it looks like it will, because both sides have dug in, well, then the NEU could quite easily name a load more strike dates. Now, we're going in, well, officially we're in spring, looking outside my window with the wind at the moment, it doesn't feel like it, but we're in spring. What happens in late spring? Exams. Now, if teachers go on strike during the exam period, that's going to have far more impact than the strikes they've had so far, because of course that is children's future. Those are the GCSEs and the A-levels that they need to go to college, to go to university, to get an apprenticeship, whatever it ends up being that they want to do in future. But that will hit their their, their life chances, if you like. And of mm -hmm. course, remember this comes off the back that we were almost at the third anniversary of the first lockdown. So kids have had huge disruption to their education um, for a, over a year during Corona. And this is a cohort that's sort of now going through the system now. Um, so more disruption, courtesy of these strikes, courtesy of the government not giving the teachers the pay rise the teachers believe they deserve. I mean, at the end of the day, the kids are the ones who are going to suffer in all this. Exactly. And it's I suppose the teachers would argue that the children are suffering if they don't go out on strike because the situation would get worse. And then we've got the issue of whether or not these pay rises actually come out of existing budgets, which means you've got to take money out of the system or whether there's going to be fresh money found somewhere. And Denise says that she totally agrees with Dee. Um, what do you think, everybody? Were you aware the strikes are coming up? Are you looking forward to them? Do you think it's going to be a good idea? Do you, are you dreading it? What on earth are you going to do with your children for those two days? How are you going to homeschool and work? Um, How's it going to work out for you? Do you support the teachers striking or not? Let us know. But first off, let's go to the big story of the day, if not the week, maybe even perhaps the year, the way it's going, uh, which 
course, whether the Tory immigration policy is a bit Nazi. Now, no, wait, sorry, that's not the story. The story is whether Gary Lineker is allowed to say that. Now, for those of you who've been living under a rock, we'll try and go through this as quickly as we can. The government announced a new policy for the migrants and asylum seekers that are arriving by boat, which was that they were going to be banned from claiming asylum, right? That was the policy. This new law was one that even the government said wouldn't stand the test because it was illegal. And this newspaper said that it was just a way of setting up human rights judges uh, as sort of the bogeyman for blaming when the boats keep coming. Now, anywho, the main presenter of Match of the Day, Gary Lineker, who's widely regarded as the nicest man in football, quite beloved by a lot of people who aren't Tory MPs, he said on Twitter that that rhetoric was reminiscent of 1930s Germany. Then the government, which, remember, definitely doesn't want to distract anybody from the actual policy, made a huge hoo-ha about it. The deputy chairman, the backbenchers, even ministers were weighing in to say they were offended, that Lineker should shut up and go away, etc. Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, was saying, my husband's Jewish, how dare you? Um, the BBC asked Lineker to apologise. He said, nope. They suspended him from doing match of the day. And then what seems like the entirety of the BBC sports department just downed tools and walked out in solidarity. Now, Ben, this is a whole new nationwide strike, it would appear. Um, but it's being reported today in the mirror that the BBC is caving an awful lot quicker than the government. What's this deal that they're supposed to be discussing to get him back on the airwaves? Oh, well, you know, we can sit there waiting for white smoke over the next 24 hours. Don't we? We're literally <laughs> our time. Um, so the deal looks like it will be some sort of fudge where Lineker comes back on it. And I have to say, right, I know this is not necessarily the prevailing opinion. I can't stand him. I think he's an overpaid, not very good presenter, right? And I much preferred Match of the Day on Saturday night where we didn't have to listen to Lineker and Shearer and Wrighty analysing and joshing with each other. It was much better just having just having the football. I much preferred that. And I managed to make it to the end because often on Saturday night, I fall asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> I'm all for that. But as I say, that's not the uh, prevailing attitude. Um, the deal will be a review of how BBC stars are allowed to use social media, what they're allowed to tweet about. So Lineker will come back on air. This review will take place. You have to presume that during that time, even Lineker might agree to be on his best behaviour and not start accusing the government of Nazi policies. Um, meanwhile, government or the BBC rather will come up with some sort of fudge that says, you know, you can tweet, but please don't go too far or something like that. Because I think the BBC has you know, made a complete horlicks of how they've dealt with it. And the backlash um, that, that sort of greeted this, because a lot of people are on Lineker's side. Um, you know, they think as a freelancer, uh, he should be allowed to say what he wants when he's not on a BBC platform. Now, the counter argument to that, of course, is a lot of his profile, particularly his profile today, not thinking back to when he was a goal-hanging striker stealing goals for England, in the late 80s and early oh, 90s. Oh, steady, steady. Getting into a whole different area of controversy now, Ben. His profile now comes from him being on uh, BBC, which, of course, is funded by the licence fee, which we all have to have if we want to watch TV, even if you don't watch the BBC. So the argument is that because his profile comes from the BBC, what he says to his 8.5 million followers on Twitter is still related to his position at the BBC. And it's quite interesting, Mark Damaser, who's uh, one of the former DGs, former director generals of the BBC, he, he was on the television yesterday, on the BBC, obviously, uh, but he's actually written in the Times today saying that the guidelines as they were updated in autumn 2020, ironically, to counter Gary Lineker tweeting, 
that Lineker is in breach of those guidelines. And when you read them, he is quite clearly. Um, so then it becomes less... I mean, there are several facets to this, right, aren't there? Whether or not you, you, know, you agree with the Tory policy of saying people who come by boats uh, aren't allowed to claim asylum. Well, that's number one. Number two is whether Lineker should be allowed to tweet about it. Number three is what he actually tweeted, which even, you know, senior Labour MPs, um, not just privately, but publicly, they say he went far too far in what he said. He really doesn't understand the issue. Um, and then, of course, there's the, well, has the BBC gone under pressure from Conservative MPs? Have they just done, you know, were they in the right to do it anyway? I mean, to a certain extent, it's insubordination by Lineker, isn't it? He's challenging his boss. He's told you're not allowed to do this. It's written down in black and white. And he goes and does it anyway, because he or his supporters might, or certainly his critics would say he thinks he's bigger than the BBC. Well, in this Mexican standoff we've had over the weekend, where mercifully we didn't have to listen to all these supposed great analysis on match of the day on Saturday night. Well, that's what it's come down to. And I think perhaps Lineker was surprised himself that he got suspended. And now finding this negotiated settlement that appears to be coming out of a new broadcasting house, that will suit everyone. Um, at least temporarily. Yeah. Now it sounds like uh, the the deal. I thought about this. Sounds like Ben's not a big fan of Match of the Day. I think that's clear to everybody. I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think I'm saying anything too too controversial there. Now Mike says yesterday that BBC presenter Michael Portillo was on GB News giving his political opinions. I assume the BBC will be suspending him until he apologises. Maybe Mike, but I suppose the argument there would be that Portillo's fame comes from his politics, not the fact he works for BBC now. Wayne says we need strict immigration laws. It was only women and children people would feel differently. But it's mainly men that are coming. How can he say it's like what Hitler done? Hitler killed millions FFS. He didn't say it was like killing. That was the whole point. I think I think part of the problem was that when he started talking about 1930s Germany, people think you're talking about the Holocaust and the murder and all the rest of these things, um, which, of course, is part of all that. And the Holocaust started in 1933. But um, he didn't actually talk about the mass murder. What he was talking about was the rhetoric, the rhetoric of the Conservative Party and the rhetoric of Nazi Germany. And... That isn't about saying someone's going to kill somebody else. It's about the way you talk about other people. Uh, and a year ago, Holocaust survivors wrote to Suella Braverman saying exactly the same thing. So, and they didn't get criticised quite like this. Alan says, I see Lineker as the Walker's Crisps guy, not a BBC man. Uh, I suppose Lineker would say his his uh, his position at the BBC comes from the fact he was a footballer, not uh, anything else. Lisa said, what happened to freedom of speech? He obviously felt very strongly about it. And there's this point as well, isn't there, Ben? Because um, whether you agree with what Lineker said or not, whether you like the boats policy or you don't, if you are a, a conservative backbencher, you should be really big on not cancelling people, giving everyone freedom of speech, the, the right to say whatever the hell they like, even if other people are offended. I thought that's what that particular Venn diagram, you know, I thought Suella Braverman, Lee Anderson, all these people were bang on for freedom of speech. But it would appear freedom of speech for everybody, except if they're on the BBC and running match of the day. Well, one thinks of that often uh, misattributed to Voltaire. I'll disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. Um, the Home Office today, I mean, this is you could interpret this as top trolling, really, by the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman. The Home Office has announced today um, a, a reform for police about how they deal with non-crime hate speech offences. I saw that, yes. Protecting freedom of speech, stopping mm. cancel culture. 
and all this after we've had the last five days, six days dominated by a row about whether an overpaid presenter, former England footballer, is allowed to tweet something. I mean, it is deeply ironic that that has taken place today. Perhaps not an accident um, that that was when the Home Office, the Home Secretary, has chosen to announce it. But yeah, you're right that the, those Conservative backbenchers who kick off left, right, and centre. Um, about people being cancelled and no platform, you know, controversial speakers at universities. And, you know, freedom of speech is fundamental to to British values. You know, it it is what we are. Um, And then to attack Gary Lineker for doing it, using his freedom of speech, you know, there is is a big argument about whether or not the Conservative MPs who champion freedom of speech and rail against uh, no platform and whether or not they should then be attacking someone just because he says something that they disagree with. Exactly. Now, only me, who isn't actually me, that's the name they're going under on Face Ache, says, Gary said what he said on his own time, not the BBC's time. The BBC can't own you off air. You're right, only me. Um, And as a freelancer myself, I'm kind of on that side of things. But I would add, if, for example, the BBC employed me to go on to their pay-per-view programme, as they did before it was cancelled by the cancel culture at the BBC these days, um, and I said something which is I'm, I'm paid to go on there to express my opinion, as it were. But if I said something which was really anti Ofcom rules or defamation law or kind of anti some of my purpose or was really anti BBC in some way, I would expect probably not to get invited back on again as a freelancer. But of course, Gary Lineker has got a contract. He's got a deal that he goes on air. Um, no matter what. And so he feels obviously fairly secure in that. And I suspect as well, Ben, although he's paid about 1.3 million, which is an awful, one of the highest paid BBC stars, um, there was talk over the weekend that he could be going to ITV or Sky for three times that if the BBC upset him too much. So I suppose he feels pretty secure that the BBC need him as well as the other way around. Yeah, um, you know, they... For some reason, he is well thought of as a sports presenter. <laughs> so, yeah, Put it aside, Ben. Put it aside. This will be in demand. Um, I mean, interesting, though, BT Sport, where he used to present their Champions League uh, coverage up until, I think, 2021. They've said they, they don't want him back, presumably because he, he, he costs too much money, you'd think. Um, yeah, if he went... I mean, that might be a solution that suits everyone because often the BBC's excuse for paying these outrageous salaries is, well, they can earn even more in the commercial sector. At which point some of us think, well, why didn't you go and earn that in the commercial sector then? And mm. indeed, you've seen that with some of the really big name presenters um, who have left BBC in recent recent months and over the past year or so. Emily Maitlis, John Sobel, Andrew Marr have all gone off mm. to global. Um, so if there are bigger salaries out there and they want to jump ship and they've got license then to you know not be bound to the same extent by BBC impartiality rules, well, then maybe that suits everyone. But I don't think that will happen in, in the Lineker case. I, I do think there will be a deal that keeps him presenting match of the day and the handful of other shows that he does during the um, during the course of a year um, and allows him to tweet, but probably not to the same extent that he has been. Mm, yeah, well, we'll have to see, won't we? It sounds like the fudge is going to be offering a review of the guidelines for BBC staff or star, uh, stars, I should say, um, and also a review of how the BBC handled this because they have handled it really badly. Uh, and that will find some way to get Lineker back on air. Now, Mike says if Lineker had tweeted, you know what, the government are right, we should stop the boats, 
there would have been no fuss from the BBC or government over him expressing a political opinion. I think he's probably got a point there. So Lineker does have the angels on his side a little bit, it would seem, because he is by no means the first BBC star to stray into politics. Great British Bake Off winner, and remember, she's just a member of the public who was a contestant. Nadia Hussain criticised on Twitter the airstrikes in Syria. Alan Sugar, the star of The Apprentice, published and then deleted a picture of Jeremy Corbyn next, sitting next to Adolf Hitler. Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert, who has a weekly programme on Radio 5 Live, he actively campaigns to change government policy. It has been about this budget that's coming up in the next few weeks. Um, and we've also had most of us know the BBC chairman, Richard Sharp, helped the previous Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, uh, secure an 800 grand loan when he was still in office and Sharp was up for the job at the BBC. It is not unknown for people who are on the BBC, but their own person, who are not journalists, to tweet their personal opinions about politics. And it doesn't get them in trouble, does it, Ben? I mean, although you may not like Lineker, and this, as you know, like you say, some of the MPs have said he has just gone too far by talking about the Nazis. Um, you know, if Nadia Hussain can criticise airstrikes in Syria and Alan Sugar can post a picture of Jeremy Corbyn actually sat next to Adolf Hitler, although he did delete it, then, you know, they've, they've got to let Gary Lineker do this, haven't they? Like I say, I think there will be some some fudge where he's allowed to carry on uh, tweeting, but maybe not to the same extent. Um, I, I think when Mike just mentioned... Just don't say Nazi. Well, I don't think he ever actually said Nazi in that tweet. No, don't really refer to Deutschland unless it's about the 1966 World Cup. It's the only yeah. time you're allowed to say it. Um, I think it, it, when Mike said that if he just said, um, we've got to stop the boats, keep the migrants out or whatever, um, that that would be fine. Well, I think Mike's right to certainly saying that the, the government wouldn't have had a problem with that. I think the BBC would have had a massive problem with that. I do think, I do think the BBC just doesn't want the, their stars getting involved in this sort of thing, particularly mm -hmm. when Tim Davey, the Director General, has made his, his premiership of, of the BBC all about restoring impartiality. Um, I think if, if Gary Lineker had have endorsed the government's policy, that would create a huge backlash. And in the same way that the Conservative MPs have had a pop at him um, for criticising the policy, I think Labour MPs would have, I mean, aside from the actual bombshell shock factor, Gary Lineker endorsing what the government had done, they would then be, a, well, this is outrageous, you know, he shouldn't be allowed to do this, what about impartiality? It really is, as you know, that divide is as strong. Um, so I do think there would have been a backlash, both at the BBC and from um, non-Conservative MPs, had he have endorsed the government's policy. And of course, there'd have been quite a backlash on Twitter, which is a slightly different demographic to Britain as a whole, because not everybody in Britain is on it, and slightly different opinions about things like migration policies sometimes, although Elon Musk is doing his best to change that. Um, but it's got to be said, you know, if they have this review, um, perhaps sport fans, some of them will be happy uh, and some of them won't be. But it's got to be said, uh, Ben, although you were happier with Match of the Day without Gary Lineker on it, it only lasted 20 minutes. Maybe that's why you didn't fall asleep in front of it. The normal one is an hour and a half nearly. And there's a lot more content and it gets people, you know, gripped into the channel for a lot longer. If they've got to do 20 minutes every every weekend because there's no Lineker and no one else doing it and no commentary, it's it, they would be in a very, very sticky wicket. I mean, the, thing is, seen the, the viewing figures this morning. What were they? So normally match a day gets two million. On Saturday night, it was two and a half million. So that's 20% <laughs> more people watched the abridged match of the day than watched the hour and 20 minute version. 
Yeah, but they watched it to see how bad it was. You know, we all we all turn things on when we think they're going to be awful sometimes, don't we? They don't turn it on because they think it'd be better necessarily. We're not clear on that yet. It was whether or not you would get two and a half million every week if that was what you did. Uh, and we should have to wait and see. But uh, Tim Davey, the director general, is supposed to be coming back to Britain. He's been in the States the last few days while this has been blowing up and is supposed to be uh, sorting some of this out and having talks. But we'll have to see, won't we? Um, now, get into the comments. What, what do you think about all of this? Uh, do you think Lineker was right? Do you think he has a wrong, but he has a perfect right to say it? Do you think he should never have said it and has no right to say it? And the government is absolutely right. Let us know. Um, I would suggest that any person here, anyone watching this, you have a perfect right to go onto Twitter or Facebook and say whatever the hell you like. You are bound by some laws. You are publishers. You have to watch out for defamation and contempt of court and things like that. But if you want to say immigration policy was Nazi, then you could if you wanted to. But Gary Lineker can't, even though he's not a politician. He's not a journalist. He, he should, in theory, be able to do some of these things. Although, as we're hearing, uh, not everyone thinks it was a little bit, you know, uh, past the knuckle, put it that way. Right, uh, we're going to have some good news in the world, and we've managed to find it for you. But first off, uh, if you have any questions about Gary Lineker or the strikes, I'll get them into the comments now, and we'll have a wrap-up at the end. But before we do that, uh, here's the good news we've managed to find. Now, we're going to the USA, where a 13-year-old Eurasian eagle owl called Flaco, or Flacco, has made a dramatic escape from New York Zoo and is living high on the hog in Central Park, where he has become a local celebrity. Every night, you can watch on social media as bird watchers are flocking there and tweeting merrily, ha, 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 about what they can and can't see of Flaco as the zookeepers are trying to tempt him home with food and also um, a lady owl, but... But normally, escaped birds of prey uh, do come back pretty quickly because they can't hunt. They haven't been taught to hunt. Uh, but Flaco, it seems, has managed to teach himself how to eat and uh, has been snubbing their offers to get back and has been seen happily ingesting small furry animals in just the way that an owl should. Then the zoo's given up and it seems that, that Flaco is uh, going to be free for quite a while to come. Is this proof that if you could make it in New York, you can make it absolutely anywhere? Uh, well... Flaco has been given his liberty in the uh, the city of the Statue of Liberty, isn't he? This is great news. Um, okay, someone shouldn't have vandalised his cage to let him get out. Maybe that was deliberate or not. Who knows? But the fact that Flaco has escaped and is now living the high life in Central Park, and you know the zoo is in Central Park, so it's not like he's gone hundreds of miles away. Um, but the fact that he's there and surviving and doing a good thing in cleaning up Central Park's rodent problem as well. That's fantastic, isn't it? And the fact that, you know, you can watch this. I haven't actually logged on to watch it, but I think I will now that Nada, our environment editor, has, uh, has brought this to our attention. Um, yeah, good news for Flaco. Like you say, normally if a bird of prey is raised in captivity, they haven't been taught to hunt by their parents. Um, I was watching that new David Attenborough thing last night, Wild, Wild Isles, I think it was called, um, and watching there how some of the birds of prey are taught to hunt. Um, so, yeah, but the fact Flaco's worked it out for himself, great news. I don't yes. know how, how long do owls live, though? If he's 13 years old, that, is that old in owl terms? I have no idea how long an owl lives. If anybody knows, get into the comments and tell us. Uh, we do, animals do generally live a bit longer in captivity than they do in the wild because they're not exposed to natural hazards and so on. Although, of course, they have 
uh, slightly less fun in captivity. And Flaco is probably enjoying that he can be out and about and everything else. Now, Lazy Left Eye has had a brilliant pun, which is that Flaco is having a hoot. Well done, Lazy. <clears throat> Should have thought of that. I'm sorry. I was in too much of a rush this morning. I was worrying about the school strikes. Um, now, do we have uh, any couple of questions to wrap up before we call it a day about Gary Lineker or the things? Here we go. Rebecca King. The right are in ecstasy. They hate Lineker, but they hate the BBC even more. For them, it's win-win. They don't give a damn about freedom of speech or BBC neutrality, but as they hate the BBC more, they can pretend. It has got so many things that's the, the angry right like which is to kick the bbc and to kick gary lineker and kick a celebrity who earns lots of money at the bbc and isn't it outrageous there's also got a lot of things that the angry left like too you know it's got nazis it's got the conservative party being likened to nazis it's got an unfair and unkind immigration policy um and the opportunity to sort of say that a footballer has managed to outwit the government in some way which isn't the first time that's happened has it so it's one of those rows that just gets worse and worse because it seems to tick everybody's boxes. And unfortunately, the BBC, by sticking it at the top of the 10 o'clock news, made it even worse. Just the point the story was dying. Now, Stuart says, morning, Stuart. The Tories will be loving all of this as it's deflecting from the real issue, which is the migrants. When the people reporting the news become the news, the system has broken down. You are quite right, Stuart. First rule of journalism, never become the story. But of course, Gary Lineker's not a journalist, so he can do whatever the hell he likes. And thank you, Gary, for the stories. Uh, right. Thank you, everyone, for taking us through all that. I think we've pretty much managed to cover it all. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thank you, Ben, for discussing it with us. And while you mentioned earlier on worrying about uh, the weather outside your kitchen window, I've been looking at the patio cover on your table out there, and it's been blowing a gale. Go and put a brick on it, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow off before long. And I'm very worried. We've managed to get through half an hour, but if there's a gust, you might lose it. Right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review so other people can find us. And we will see you all again on Wednesday for another edition of the News Agenda and probably some kind of update, I'm sure, about Gary Lineker. Till then, tatty bye. <laughs>